The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. I need to tell you about this amazing product that I found called dose When I advertise things on my podcast, it's usually because I really do believe in them. And I actually am a subscriber to Dose. And what it is, is it's a teeny tiny little formulated wellness shot. And it has turmeric, aloe vera, elderberry, milk, thistle. It tastes delicious. I take one every single day. And what it does is it supports your liver. So we all know that I talk a lot about my buttery Chardonnay intake, which I really need to cut back over the holidays. But we all know that's a hard thing to do. When I found this product, I was taking all, I was always taking like milk thistle. I was taking all kinds of different things. And then somebody had told me about this and I am obsessed. I promise you, I promise you they taste good because that's number one. But if you are interested in finding out more about Dose, you can go to my website, judgingmegan.com. And for your first order, you get a discount of 15%. So your discount code is judgingmegan15. If you decide to become a subscriber like I am, you get a total of 30% off of your subscription by using the code judgingmegan15 because they already discount your first order of 15%. So go on their website, dose.com. You can check them out. And then you can go to my website and do more research on it at judgingmegan.com. Well, hello, everyone. Um, You know, I like to tell a little bit of a story before every episode that I do. I'm super excited about the episode I'm going to have today for you. Um, but I decided that I have an addiction to target. We're talking about addictions today. (laughs) So I don't know what is wrong with me, but 
there is a problem when you walk into Target and you're like, I need shampoo or I need soap or I need, I don't know what you need. And somehow there's something in the air in Target and you walk out and you're like, how did I spend that much money? And what did I just buy? I don't know if like the circle on the front of Target has some kind of like hypnotizing some, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to bring my guest Denise Klein in and ask her if she also loves Target as much as I do. Hi, Denise. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me today. Of course. Are you, um, are you also, um, big on Target or do you do the same thing I do where I walk in with they change the aisles all up and they move things around and they raise their prices. So I'm not as huge a fan. I'm kind of more of a TJ Maxx girl right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I've heard, I mean, I've been into a TJ Maxx, so I can um, understand that, but I don't know what it is. It's like, <sighs> oh my God, I never knew that I needed that ear cleaner or I never knew that I needed it's just, it's not a good situation for me. So I'm going to start by that. Any of my listeners, if they can relate, which I think people can. And the weirdest part about Target is like, why do I need to go to like, um, to a party or anything else? Because every time I'm in there, it's like a party. I run into somebody I know. So shout out Target, big fan. Uh, Denise is a big fan of TJ Maxx. So I'm going to have to hit up (laughs) TJ Maxx at some point. And I am going to start this episode. Everyone, I would like to introduce you and thank you for listening to my podcast, Judging Megan, with your host, Megan Judge. Today, we are lucky enough to have Denise Klein. She is the director of Milestone Ranch, which is a rehab center in beautiful Malibu, California. She is also the author of Truth About Rehab with Kurt Garby and Dr. Kadish. Denise, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here today. And thank you, Megan, for everything you're doing for society um, with your podcast. Um, shout out to you. Well, shout out to you. We, You and I were introduced through um, John Stenzel, who's been on my podcast, and I'm a big fan of John, and he has sent me some amazing guests just like you. And we had kind of been in touch back and forth um, for probably the past couple months. And then the holidays hit and then I got COVID and you are telling me you also got COVID. So it's like, happy new year. Exactly. Here's some COVID for you. Um, But I'm really grateful that you're finally on the podcast and we can kind of um, talk about your book and talk about rehab. And it's actually very interesting to me because I have never had somebody come on before to kind of talk Mm -hmm. about what rehab is. I understand Mm -hmm. just because, you know, you hear about it and I've known people that have gone throughout in my Mm -hmm. life, but I really want to get to the bottom of what Milestone Ranch is, why you started it. And I would love to obviously talk about your book. So where shall we begin, Denise? Well, um, first of all, I'm so deeply appreciative of John connecting us too, because um, I'm all about decreasing stigma. I've been a social worker for 35 years. I worked in the nonprofits um, for, gosh, almost 17 years before I moved from 
Minot, North Dakota, <laughs> to Malibu, California. So there's quite a journey in there. And it was very different moving from the nonprofit into a private um, sector for-profit um, rehab. And so I started at Milestones 18 years ago. Um, it had been um, started in 2003 um, by a social worker and um, another gentleman who um, owned the property. And then I came on board three months later and have been there ever since. And now my daughter, who's also a social worker, um, runs the rehab right by my side. Her name is Savannah Ganji. And um, she has her MSW. And we've been working together as well for 11 years. So it's just a labor of love. And Really, you know, what rehab is all about is, you know, I, I want to destigmatize rehab because I honestly believe that there isn't one person on the planet who couldn't benefit from checking in to some level of health and wellness center, rehab, whatever you want to call it, and really looking at the patterns that are serving them or not serving them in life and just do, doing a full kind of autopsy of their life. And that's what we do when people come in is, you know, they're self-medicating. For some reason, um, it's it's um, taken them to a place where they're suffering. Otherwise, they wouldn't be enrolling in a program. They're truly suffering. And what we do is it basically, um, for lack of a better way of describing it, it's like an x-ray of what's driving these compulsive behaviors, whether it's um, substance use disorder, behavioral addictions, um, food addictions, gambling addictions, sex addictions. There's something underneath that is not resolved. And the body knows the score. Let me ask you a question. Sorry to oh, talk no, over you. I, I'm always fascinated by people that choose to go into a career or a life of serving others, which is what mm -hmm. you do. What was there something that drove you to get into social work and then to get into the into working in a rehab? Is there something that you went through? I'm always curious about this. Oh, well, that's an interesting question. Um, I rarely get asked. I would say that I started out my career in actually in broadcasting journalism. And I was a single parent. And um, for two reasons, I switched to social work. Number one, I felt that getting in journalism, you know, the, in working with that particular industry, it didn't feel like you were able to get that people were interested in the truth as much as they are in social work. And so. What? That's shocking, Denise. I, I would never think that. <laughs> and that was 35 years ago. And plus, you know, I was a single yeah. mom and I didn't, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you would be on call to get out of bed in the middle of the night to go get a story. And it was like, you know what? I want to get to truer than true. And I want to help people. And I've always just been like radically curious about human nature and how to be of service. Uh, my mom had some depression when I was growing up and I, I'm sure, you know, um, that subconsciously drove me to kind of want to help people smile a little more and be happy because if mom's not happy, you know, you're not happy, you're sad. And so I really wanted to, to make a difference in the world. And so I, I feel so blessed that I chose social work because I think, um, the profession is just dynamite. And and you love what you do, I'm guessing. Yes, I love what I do. I've been doing it 35 years and I'm more passionate about it 
um, than I was when I started. It's just, it's so rewarding. And especially right now, I, I mean, with the, with COVID and everything that's happened in our society in the past several years, um, there is, it's so important to have people like you that do what you do and live a life to like mm-hmm. serve other people when people are in their worst conditions, you know, mentally mm-hmm. or, you know, have some kind of addiction problem. Can you talk about Milestones Ranch and like what makes it different than other rehab? If I'd like to bookmark just and go back a second just to what you said about COVID sure. and languishing. And I think there's a little bit of so- sure, social no worker problem. in all of us. <laughs> and sometimes we forget that. And we talked earlier about the dopamine spike. Well, there's also serotonin, which is service, sending a card to someone, thanking someone, reaching out to someone. And so I think right now, more than ever, we all need to bring those aspects out of ourselves and we will feel better. That depression will go into a little bit of remission. The anxiety will decrease if we're being of service um, in our communities, because Lord knows there, everybody needs a smile. Everybody, everybody needs an elbow bump. Everybody needs something right now. I agree. And selfishly, you know, part of why I I went into doing this podcast was because um I let I I found that helping other people and talking to people and helping them, it's the best high mm-hmm. that you can ever get. See? <laughs> you know, it's better than it's better than drinking. I I enjoy a buttery Chardonnay. <laughs> um, but I have to do it, you know, like be careful mm-hmm. with it because I do, and I openly admit sometimes, and I have on the past in this podcast, lean on alcohol a little too much because I went through a great deal of trauma in my oh, life. So sorry. I would love, I would love to talk about, like, go back to what makes milestones a, different than other rehab facilities, especially mm-hmm. I know there's quite a few in Malibu. Yes. Um, uh, the the history of, of rehab is um, quite complex. And when I started 18 years ago in Malibu, there were so many wonderful centers with a heartbeat all over the country. And, and you, you almost couldn't go wrong with wherever you placed your loved one. And then slowly but surely, the corporations came in and bought up most of the rehab. So most of them are corporate run, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's that's a bad thing. We need they could serve more people than certainly a mom and pop private small boutique center can. But what happens is is that you don't have the owner's eyes, you don't have the heartbeat in there anymore. And then oftentimes there aren't quite as many services provided. So what makes milestones unique is is several things. Number one, um, we have over 45 employees, not all full-time for no more than 12 patients. We're licensed for 12. We've never grown. It's like the classroom. If the teacher has 12 students or 40 students, it's going to make a big difference, right? And so Milestones is predicated on um, doing what's in the best interest of the client. They get so many services and um, and we really, really um, do our best to um, provide unparalleled care. And then secondly, we're in a really um, interesting environment. We are on a big ranch. There are other activities going around us, going on around us. It's a little, uh, almost like a little village 
Um, but we, you know, our section is walled off, but there's waterfalls, there's trees, it's very recovery centric. So that is another thing that adds to the benefit of the patient's experience is that, you know, when you go outside and you can just breathe and you can sit with your therapist by a waterfall and have your session, there's something that's really grounding about that and healing. And I wish that all treatment centers were in nature because I think it's a it's not the end all be all, but it's a big part of what makes us successful. I agree. I mean, I'm a huge advocate of being outside and my happy place is the beach. Um, I I walk on the beach almost every day mm. and it just, it's so healing to me, even in my darkest times, that's where I've turned to. So I think that's wonderful. And what an amazing location to be in, you know, Um, I would love to talk about the book. So why don't you tell me in, in a nutshell, why you decided with the other co-authors to write the truth about rehab? Well, it started with a vision I had for helping families because at times like this, where there's so many bad actors in the industry I wanted families to mm-hmm. have a book that they could turn to that would help guide them through the process of picking out and vetting a good treatment center. And it's the book is not motivated by anything except to help families and people looking for treatment. And so I asked two of my colleagues who I really respect, who also had over 30 years in the field, Dr. Seth Kadish and Kurt Garby, to help me with the book because I didn't want it to be just through my lens. I wanted it to be through other people's lens lenses who had worked in rehabs and really, really care about humanity. And so that's why I chose the two of those people. And it's been it's been so fun working with them and we're in our final edits and um, just hoping that we can get it out in the next couple months and then we'll spread the good word. So when you say that there's a lot of bad actors, I'm obviously, is it because rehab is um, turned into like a money making beast or explain what you said? Um, Absolutely. Uh, There's, you know, many reasons, you know, a lot of people go into it well-intentioned and then they can kind of uh, go to the dark side because um, they're bamboozled by the money. And so um, all of a sudden there's their, you know, their intentions change. And then there's some people who are just bad actors to begin with and they get into the business because they see it as a business and they don't see it as a heart centered um, experience. And so, you know, you have to really be discerning when you're picking out a rehab because um, sometimes the finest websites with all the bells and whistles are, you know, going to be the people who are exploiting the general public. And so you have to be very cautious and uh, do your homework before you choose the rehab. Because not only is it a commitment investment of money, it's a commitment invest investment of time and being vulnerable. And you, your loved one or yourself needs to feel very safe in that environment. What is something that somebody that you that's obviously in the book, which I'm going to read when it comes out, I'm very excited to read that. Um, what is something that 
a loved one should look for? Are there signs? Are there red flags about a, about a rehab facility that people should know about that you could maybe tell my audience? Well, I, I think that oftentimes if there's a call center and the person on the phone doesn't know who they're representing or what rep, what they're representing, that's a tell right away. Um, if they can't answer the questions, if they can't give you testimonials, if they can't put you in touch with alumni, um, all of that um, would be red flags. All of those things would be red flags. Okay. And obviously people are already in their most vulnerable place. You know, this is not a fun thing for a human being to have to go through, right? Trying to find a place because their loved one is so sick that they're a lot of times desperate. Plus it costs a lot of money, correct? Exactly. Have you ever reached out to a therapist to make an appointment for therapy? Megan? I have, Denise. Mm -hmm. I have because I'm a huge advocate of therapists mm -hmm. and I talk about on the podcast, my therapist helped save my life, mm -hmm. <laughs> Dr. Nay. Um, but that's such a good point because I have had horrible therapists in my life and I've had a few really good ones, but I, in the past few years, because I've been trying to find like new ways mm -hmm. besides just talk therapy to like EMDR or whatever it be, it's kind of like dating, mm -hmm. right? I say that mm -hmm. all the time. You have to like, mm -hmm. you talk to them on the phone and you're kind of like, huh, it must be, you're, like you say, it must be so similar when well, you yeah, you're in a vulnerable state. You're scared. Um, it's nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many programs out there to choose from. It's wildly stressful for the family for the referent, for the person looking for treatment for themselves. And so the one thing that I suggest that people do is ask five people in your community that are very well respected, you know, whether it's a police officer, a social worker, a nurse, um, a chaplain, you know, ask five people where they've had the best experience in regard to treatment. And see what name comes up. And if the same name keeps coming up, then go check them out. And if you can, I go on site and feel the feel the vibe of the of of the program. So if I were to send my sibling or someone to treatment and I could go see the place, I would go walk in, see what's happening, because what you experience when you walk on the property is going to tell you intuitively if there's, you know, caring going on, is this a program that is going to feel safe for my loved one? Are there, are there things also like people should be asking, like, this is just me not knowing mm -hmm. what questions to ask, like, because I don't really understand, but would that, would it be like, what's your success mm -hmm. rate? Are those like, are those questions that people should be asking? Absolutely. 100%. That's a great question. So for example, at Milestones, we've been working okay. on outcome studies with UCLA and we can say unequivocally, unequiv <laughs> delete that unequivocally, <laughs> uh, that 
<laughs> the hard word. Yeah, it's the a tongue, tongue twister. Tongue twister. No, I can't even say that. Um, is that <laughs> if it's longer lengths of stay, nobody wants to hear that because that means that it's going to be more expensive. But it's like any illness, and this is where I really want to destigmatize rehab. If you've been having a decade of substance use disorder issues and you've lost jobs and you've lost relationships and you've lost your health and your mental health, 30 days is not enough. And so when we're doing our outcome studies, we can say that if people stay in treatment longer, they get to their underlying issues and they start to change their neural pathways. And then when they leave, they follow doctor's orders and they go to whatever level of care is necessary to keep this beast in remission, we're going to have some really spectacular outcomes. But if you go in 30 days, and let me bookmark it right there. We see this all the time. They feel better. They have nutrition. They had good therapy. They've been walking outside. They're exercising. They feel the, the best they've felt in years, but it's not enough to generally sustain recovery. And that's why the relapse um, problem is so high is because it's like being in the hospital and you get discharged. And then the doctor says, now you have to decrease your stress. You have to go to physical therapy. You have to change your diet. If you don't do any of those things, any illness is going to come back. And so we need to treat addiction, whether you believe it's an illness or not, like any other disease, because it does impact the structure of the brain. And the brain takes time to heal. It does get easier to stay sober. It's one day at a time. There is no cure. There is no deluxe wash. It's one day at a time, because if you get the job, it's a trigger. If you don't get the job, it's a trigger, right? You want that Chardonnay. <laughs> it's, it's sunny out. <laughs> it's rainy out. It's snowy out. There's triggers everywhere. And it's tough work and addicts, you know, substance use disorder patients are the bravest people in the world to go in and really look at what's driving those compulsive behaviors. Well, let me ask you a question. So what is that? What do you recommend then? Because I've always thought rehab facilities were 30 days. So what is the, what, how long do you keep your patients? Um, the way that you might remember that movie years ago, 28 Days with Sandra Bullock. Really, that was, that was a really good movie, by the way. I, I got to go rewatch it. I love that. I loved that movie. That was a good movie. You loved it too? Yeah, I've seen it like multiple times. I'm a huge Sandra Bullock uh, fan. So I have watched that movie several times. We should it's watch a good it movie. again. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that was what insurance would pay. That's why it became 20 or oh. 30 days, but it's like 90 days to change a habit. And so the amount of time that people stay at milestones is usually 60 to 90 days. And then they step down into well-vetted, ethical um, outpatient clinics in the community. And in Los Angeles, we're so blessed because we have like so many really good outpatient clinics. And best case scenario is into sober living environment. Why sober living? Because then you're around a community of people and there's accountability, there's drug testing, there's connection. And if you give yourself at least six months of that experience, I guarantee that the chances of you staying well um, for the long term 
are so much higher. And we can and we can show that we we only treat about 110 patients a year at milestones. And I can go back statistically and look at those people who did 60 to 90 days residential, did IOP, did sober living. And the outcomes are so much better than someone who just does it 30 days and tries to do it the hard way again you know, keep this in mind. It's like any illness. It's like whether you had cancer or diabetes, you can't just say, I went to the hospital for 30 days. Now it's cured. No, the real work actually begins when you leave rehab, because then you don't, you're not in um, that, what we call a wraparound care of all these doctors and nurses and social workers and clinicians and paraprofessionals who are there to support you and prop you up and help you until you feel good enough to get up. Well, I, what's in like, what's interesting about what's happening right now too, and such a call for what you do. And I had no idea, like, I just assumed, um, you know, somebody goes through it for 30 days and then they're healed or they're working on it. I know like people fall off the wagon very easily. The statistics are not great with addiction, but I find it, I love that you you have like a whole path mm-hmm. of, of, and it makes sense because if you had cancer, you wouldn't go back to like having a bad diet, right. you know, right after you go into remission. So it makes perfect sense. So if you look at it and you have this visual of like an iceberg and the tip of the iceberg is the substance use. So you mentioned Chardonnay, you know, having that buttery cup of Chardonnay underneath What's there? So what society doesn't recognize, and we have done a really probably poor job of informing them of historically, is that what's underneath the tip of the iceberg and what's underneath is trauma, as you mentioned before, Um, mental health, depression, anxiety. You know, maybe it's a bipolar condition. Maybe it's a thought disorder. Um, Also, Psychosocial stressors, grief, loss, maybe um, you unprocessed grief of someone passing away, a divorce, COVID, everything's underneath. We even have so many patients who've come in who've been through centers and they have had concussions that have never been dealt with. So a traumatic brain injury. And so what's underneath is what Milestones deals with. We unravel that like a little knot and say, oh, my goodness, you know, let's look at this. Let's put the lens on that. So it it really is like going into the hospital, looking at an X-ray, and then we connect them with experts. And that's very expensive. And people also get, you know, very concerned and worried about the costs of rehab because it is so expensive. And insurance companies most of the time don't allow the patients to stay in treatment long enough. They cut off their benefits so quickly. And so that that's another, you know, chapter that we talk about in the book is the cost of treatment. What if you can't that and that's that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. It's a huge issue the way that we treat our our, our people that are sick or mentally ill or <clears throat> need addiction help, which obviously goes hand in hand. One of the statistics I just read recently was from the start of, uh, not the start of COVID, from 20 to 20, maybe 21 to 22, 2021 to 2022. So the past year, over 100,000 people died of overdoses. Did you read that or see that? Yes, I did. It's so painful. And I just watched um, Dope Sick um, that on Netflix, like painful, painful to watch what the pharmaceuticals did and what these families went through. And that's what we deal with every day, Megan. Every day we get calls um, in regard to, you know, people suffering like that. And so that's why we want to write the book. That's the why. We want to be on the phone with the families, help them. And then we'll say, read this chapter, you know, read that chapter. If you have questions about, should I have an interventionist? How long should they stay? What's the cure? Is there a cure? Because again, going back to history, some rehabs, they had advertisements saying there was a cure. So society was lied to. There is no cure. We wish there was. Nobody had the guts to say it's one day at a time on TV. Nobody had the guts. And so we want to be truer than true. We don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. We want to make sure that the public knows the truth about rehab. Well, also, it takes work. And you and I have spoken, and I'm just going to I'm going to talk about this for one second. <clears throat> The everything that's going on in the world, and then on top of that, the homeless issue in Los Angeles or wherever you live in the country, 
And then obviously I had my guest on Maeve, who's I still talk to often. And I know I'd put you mm-hmm. in touch with them. Um, and, you know, she's sitting here with her brother who is living on the streets right now and is um, bipolar and refused to, refuses to take his meds. All of this stuff goes hand in hand. And, and I think what's the most devastating and part of why I started this podcast to begin with was, you know, putting my, my own struggles and my own like story of being suicidal two and a half years ago. Mm. And, you know, like, do I really want to go out there and like tell people that, but I'm like, you know what? I would rather, because now I'm in such a different place because I put in the work you mm-hmm. have to put in the work. You have to put in the work. It's like anything else. If you're trying to get fit, you need to go to the gym and you need to eat right. Mm-hmm. You need to stop drinking alcohol, you know? Um, but it's it's devastating that in our country, if somebody's sick or say you have a heart condition, you can go to the hospital if you have insurance and that will get covered, right? But mm-hmm. you you can't go into a rehab facility for 90 days because you really are sick. It's like having a heart condition, but something that deals with our biggest organ, which is our brain. Mm-hmm. And we can't get help. You can't get that fixed. So mm-hmm. it, it just, it baffles my mind, right? I mean, that's just like a little tangent. I'm sorry. I like to get up on my soapbox sometimes. Oh, no, it's so important. And you know that the homeless issue is so near and dear to me. And yeah, I, I I think that, you know, in the future, we just really have to get outside the box with some of our um, some of our solutions. I'm a solution focused social worker. So anybody who knows me, I don't like to stay stuck in the problem. It's all about what's the solution. There's always a solution. There's always an answer. And there's uh, multiple answers um, that we won't get into all of those today. Maybe another podcast. You're going to come back when we're going to talk about that. Cause I know like in the future, I would love to have you come on. And then that's something that is very um, important to me personally. And I think if you live, you know, in Los Angeles, people tend to complain about it. And then when you meet somebody that really has a family member that is dying and there's nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do to help them. It seems, seem it, it's so important that we face this problem with s- solutions. Like you said, it's one thing to mm-hmm. just c- complain, be like, mm-hmm. oh, they're they're living on the street, you know, going to the bathroom on the street, doing all these things. But this all stems from mm-hmm. not, what? What is the percentage of people that have addiction that are living on the streets? You know. Well, the one thing that we can do is um, I've gotten connected with the Union Rescue Mission downtown and various other service providers downtown. And through um, milestones, we're also very connected with the nonprofits in L.A. like Tarzana and Clara Foundation. And guess what? A lot of times there's beds available and people don't know it. So one of my visions would be to create a, like a hotel app. You know, if you're going to Palm Springs, you can say, oh, which hotels have rooms tonight? I know there's rooms available. And so if we could create, that's just one tiny piece of what we could do. Oh, this person's finally ready, you know, to, you know, basically get the support they need for their bipolar condition. Okay. 
then let's let's look at the mental health facilities that have beds available right now that will take the insurance or not, or, you know, do a sliding fee scales. I, I also know tons of people who will take them in with nothing, you know, but nobody knows about those things. So I think we need to collaborate, we need to communicate, and we need to connect more in order to have stronger communities. I grew up in mine at North Dakota. I said that earlier. That was a small community, well-connected. I also lived in Colorado for a while, well-connected small communities. Loveland, Colorado, Greeley, Longmont. When you come to a big city like Los Angeles, what's really different is it's obviously, you know, a city and there's so many people and it isn't connected. And I think if we start consciously connecting that we can we can really do some great work for the homeless. I know we can. I love that. I, I mean, I think it's it's a passion of mine to try and do like do what I can if there is anything. And right now it's just using my voice. Which is huge, Megan. You're so brave and you're so awesome doing if this. We had Thank more you. people though that would stop complaining. And believe me, until I met my friend Maeve, I I was one of them. I didn't everything happens for a reason, which I say all the time. And, um, so uh, anyways, I, I don't really want to go off on that tangent, but I just think it's important to touch on because it does, it's one of the reasons why you do what you do. And it's about like helping other people and getting them well. And this is, this is, um, this isn't just a problem in our country. It's an epidemic, you know, Mm -hmm. um, just like the mental health or the addiction issues. This is not a problem anymore. This is an epidemic. It's frightening. Yeah. And it's painful, painful to watch. I was down on Skid Row and it's just painful. um, It's like um, an open air asylum. Uh, People walking around in the middle of the streets, you know, um, tents everywhere, rats crawling into the tents. I was just down there like six weeks ago. It's, it's, um, we've got to do something for sure. And, you know, and, there are programs, there's programs all over the country that will bring people in um, for um, little or nothing. There's a program in Texas called Serenity Star. That's If you can afford, you know, $2,000 a month, great. They will help you find a job. They have a restaurant there. They will give you employment. If you can't afford that, then they have funds available for people who can't afford it. It's magical. I mean, there's so many good-hearted people out there doing really good work, but we're not communicating the way we need to and getting it out there. So, you know, hopefully through the book, we'll be able to educate people about this. Well, I would like to know, so at, at Milestones, you have 42 employees for every 12 patients. What are some of the things... Is, and we can go back to your book about the truth about rehab that w- you focus on. Like somebody, say somebody comes in um, and they um, have situational depression based mm-hmm. on, you know, what happened. Uh, let's use me as an example. I oh. come in. I'm not ready for rehab though, Denise. So I'm not checking. <laughs> this is an intervention. Megan. Uh, yeah, I hope. Not. Um, you love but, it, by the way. You say, love it. 
I know. I'm actually like, can I come? Um, but I am going to visit you at some point because I, you know, I'm a big, Yay. big, uh, I love, love what you do. So I'll come visit. Um, somebody comes in and they have major childhood trauma, whether it be sexual mm-hmm. abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse. Um, and do you start like when somebody comes in with therapists or what, how, how does it work? How does it work? Explain <laughs> what you do when you check in like dummies for like, what's the book? Like dummies for rehab. Yeah, Remember those is, books you, you read know, the book college? is, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be, um, maybe a, even a tish on the dry side because it really is the nuts and bolts of the questions that you're answering because it's really important. And so what happens is this. So we have three admission workers um, and two of us. I do admissions, Carolyn and Savannah. So you're not going to get a call center. You're going to get one of us. And so if you called in and you wanted to know about um, treatment, we would probably we'd spend as much time as needed on the phone with you. Then you would probably come out and take a tour. And we would before you even enrolled, we would make sure that you were a good fit for our program because um, you really have to screen and make sure that people, you don't overpromise and underdeliver. So if someone has a diagnosis that another program is better at treating like schizophrenia, that is not in our wheelhouse. That's not what we do at Milestones um, with a substance use disorder, of course, because we're dual. Then we would refer to PCH. They're, that's their wheelhouse. So an ethical program will screen you as much as you're screening them. So that's number one. Then once you've decided that you're going to enroll in the program, then Savannah or Carolyn would do a full biopsychosocial assessment. It takes about two hours and it's 10 pages long. And then that gets disseminated to the doctors, to the social workers, to the entire team of clinical experts. And then they read that information before you even arrive on site because the clock's ticking, right? And you're coming in. And we want to make sure we're ready for you. And then you get assigned a team. So you would have a triple board psychiatrist, and then you'd have an internal medicine physician. And then you would have a primary care therapist who does the case management and the family systemic work. And then when you break it down into, okay, well, this person has major depression or is diagnosed with bipolar condition, then you would be assigned an expert who works on on that issue. And if it's trauma, then you would work with someone who's either trained in um, seeking safety, EMDR, biofeedback, hypnotherapy, and you have a team, you have your own special team at Milestones. And so you minimally get eight individual sessions a week. And then we have 18 different groups, um, process groups, experiential groups, psychoeducational groups on like relapse prevention, that sort of thing. So it's almost think of yourself almost like going to college. You're getting all this education, you're doing all this processing, and then you have these eight individual therapy sessions plus nutrition, plus um, we have a wellness center where they work out every day. And then in the evening, we have homework assignments and we have um, the other thing is sober fun activities. If you're going to get sober, you want to have fun, right? So we're always doing creative things. Um, now it's more internal, obviously, because of COVID. But we also 
you know, when that um, mellows out, then we'll be back out in the community going paddle boarding or doing things that maybe they'll never want to do again, but they try at least a few times because they need to fill that time up that they, they spent a lot of time using substances or behavioral addictions. And so, so now they've got this wide gaping hole of like, if I'm not going to have that glass, couple glasses of wine after work, what am I going to do with that time? The bewitching hour, we call it. So might go horseback riding or go play, you know, soccer or, you know, whatever. All of our clients are so awesome. They all have different um, interests. So some like to bake, some like to knit, some like to read. And so we really encourage those sober fun activities. And then last but not least, we do um, a lot of vocational work. Um, some people are looking to re-career because their jobs are so stressful that they don't believe if they don't change their jobs that they'll be able to stay sober because they're using it as a stress management tool. And so some people re-career and some people are launching and young adults who haven't figured out what they want to do. So if you're going to stay sober, you need something that may catapults you out of bed in the morning. And so we have a vocational um, counselor who's been with us 13 years, Celeste, who is amazing, who works with them weekly on what their purpose and meaning is. So it's, I love yeah. that. Do you, do you have, for most people that come in, they don't come in voluntarily to your program or they do? They come in with a, okay, 50-50. It's about 50-50. Okay. And the one thing I will say is absolutely. Some people are like, this is amazing. This is what I've been looking for. I want this unparalleled attention. I want a team that's only focused on really helping me get well because I can't figure this out on my own or through other centers they've been through that were larger where they didn't um, look at the underlying issues as deeply as they wish they would have. So that's number one. And then number two is interventions. I love interventions because I have so many people who are angry when they come in and then they're so grateful at the end. And they actually will say, I was waiting for someone to do an intervention because I felt so shitty and I was so down. There's no way I could have got myself out of bed to even look up milestones because, you know, at that point in time, the anxiety, the depression, whatever was the underlying issue was like any other illness. They felt so crappy. They couldn't do it for themselves. Their family engages with an interventionist. The interventionist um, swoops in, helps the family, gets them to the right center. And I cannot speak highly enough of interventionists. Now, that being said, not inter every interventionist is created equal. So you have to vet them just like you do a rehab. You have to ask five people again, ask five professionals who work in your community, who's the best interventionist, who really cares who's going to help the family even once they get enrolled in the program, who's not motivated by the money, but by the pure pleasure of helping someone get well. And that being said, too, it is expensive. So interventions are not cheap. But if you really look at how many hours they work, they're probably, you know, they're probably making, if we break it down, you know, maybe 25, 50 bucks an hour, if you break it down by hour. And they're worth every penny, a good interventionist. It saves lives. You don't wait for a disease to get worse. Yeah, I mean, it's so sad when you think of addiction and, um, you know, 
people, it's people that are addicts. A lot of times, you know, like we just touched on homeless people, they, you know, even if they had the option for housing, that means they're going to have to leave their drugs. Right. right? I don't want to leave my drugs and leave the street. So it's like they've chosen that person, that thing, which would be say drugs or alcohol as they're, they're like, they're married to it. Right. It's like their greatest love. And to walk away from that is scary because they're so sick. Right. Yeah. It's a comfort zone and they physically and psychologically feel horrible without it. And that's why the other thing we do differently is we don't detox on site. We detox off site. Um, and make sure that by the time they get to milestones, they're, so to speak, ready for school. And that really um, makes a difference because they're feeling so much better once they get out of detox. What is What does detoxing mean? Can you explain what that means? Well, detoxing is basically um, keeping someone safe while they're going through the withdrawals of getting off of whether it's alcohol or benzodiazepines or heroin and making sure that um, they're comfortable through the process. And um, so you're giving them choice. something to keep them comfortable. Yes. And you keep, you, know, you give them, okay. They do. The, it's um, the hospital will give them something to keep them comfortable and people can have, you know, a seizure and um, we want to make sure that, they are not in the, we're in Malibu. We're 15 minutes from a hospital and God forbid if something happened, we don't want that responsibility. And so we believe that it's best, they're best served in a detox center with full-time nurses and staff. They're overseeing. See, I, that's so interesting to me because you watch the movies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like Girl Interrupted yeah. or all of the movies, the way that Hollywood like shows addicts and they're like sitting in a room and they're shaking and like throwing up into a pan by themselves. That's what I would have thought detox was that they did. I didn't understand that there's a way to do it where it's, you know, you assist in it. So they're not going through the horrible withdrawals. Correct. More human. Absolutely. And, um, we always, um, recommend a hospital whenever, um, whenever you can get someone into a hospital for detox. And there are other standalone detoxes that are really well run too in Los Angeles, but um, it's really important to have that process be off site if at all possible. It's also triggering, you know, for the clients who are sober to watch someone go through that. So we found that that's really effective not to commingle the two. And then secondly, um, technology too. We're really strict with technology. They do get a little bit of time if they need to obviously Skype with loved ones or do some legitimate, you know, work um, while they're at milestones, but never during the day. Um, we want them unplugged. We think that that's a big problem too. in a lot of centers that they allow technology because, you know, again, you're really trying to retrain the neural pathways um, differently. And if you're you know, texting your boyfriend and text arguing or whatever. It's just, it's just a big distraction. So we always encourage people to pick programs where technology is extremely limited and monitored. 
And it can also trigger the cross addictions. You know, you might want to get online and start shopping at Target. <laughs> you know, you might want to. I know. I'm scared now after talking to you. <laughs> I admitted my Target obsession. Um, I'm joking. What do you find? That is a good question, though. I, I know that you, I, you know, some people go to rehab and then they pick up like, you know, before they were drinking too much or they had a drug problem and then they go to become an, um, an excessive exerciser or they, they're a shopaholic. Do you deal with that kind of stuff as well in milestones? Absolutely. You know, the cross addictions are huge and you really have to identify them early on because again, look at, you got that space where you used to use your substances or your behavior addictions, right? Your gambling or whatever it was, your haagen And now all of a sudden you have this time. So the, you know, it's human nature to go to look for something else that will increase dopamine. And so all of a sudden, you know, you have another addiction that pops up or codependency where you're trying to fix other people's problems instead of looking at yourself and saying, in your own wheelhouse and treatment. So the thing about the truth about rehab is it's super complex, you know, super complex mm -hmm. because as many issues are this, that are the same for people, there's so many underlying issues that are different. And we have this narrow time to go in and try and inspire people to want to get well, to help them get well and to, con you know, really convince them that this is something that's going to be an ongoing process. There's a saying in AA that's, you know, um, it's the one disease you have to convince people they have. So the minute they start feeling better, I've been there 18 years, so many people will think I got this licked, you know, um, I got this figured out. And that's the slippery slope of addiction and why there are so many relapses is because people think they have have it's in remission it's going to stay in remission and the other thing that's really important that we do at milestones and this is really a social work thing that you get taught in social work school which is it's called a conscientious continuum of care so we anticipate that people might think this way because we see it so much and so we we will i call it an arm wrestling match um, I'm kind of known for those, you know, trying to convince people that, yes, please go to sober living. Please do this because it will save your life. Don't take the hard route. Don't die on me. Right. And so what we built into milestones is a free tune up. So if they don't take our advice, so if you say you had diabetes and you didn't listen to the doctor and it fell apart, you could go back to the doctor free of charge for a week. That's what we do. We say, come on back. You don't have to ask your folks. You don't have to ask your partner. Just come on in free of charge for a week and we'll put that aftercare plan together for you. And then the other thing that we do is we don't want to make it about the money because it is so expensive is on Sundays um, for the last um, eight years. And before that, it was a different day. But we have a gentleman who does a free group for all of our alumni on Sundays um, to help them re you know, see what went on during the week, what went well, catch yourself doing it right, what didn't go so well, so that they can stay on track with their sobriety. And of course, fellowship. I mean, I can't say enough about fellowship, Cog um, AA, NA, Al-Anon, 
um, Smart Recovery, all of them. They're just wonderful um, because the other thing is they're free. You know, why wouldn't you do it? And not yeah. all not all recovery groups are the same either, but find a fellowship where you can go check in and get support and connection and a sponsor who gets you, who's going to call you out. And that's kind of the truth about Rhea. I, I love everything you're saying. Well, I love what yeah, I love doing. everything you're saying. I love I love what you do. I love you. You're mm-hmm. now my best friend. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, I am so excited to um, meet you and have you on today. And I, I cannot wait to read your book. Aww, and I think a lot you. of people don't know, like, yeah, they don't know where to go, you know, um, or what to. So I think it's so important that you wrote this book and you're putting it out there because I think it's like one of those things that people just don't understand, right? So I'm I'm so grateful to meet you. Um, and in closing, I just wanted to find out where can people um, find out more about you? Like, do you want to share your social media and then also Milestones website and like when this book is coming out? And I obviously, when the book actually comes out, will share it on my own social media because I think it's so important. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, well, you can call um, 818-879-9110 and speak to Carolyn Savannah or myself. As I mentioned, um, we're the ones on the phone. And then our website is www.milestones, and that's plural, milestonesranchmalibu.com. And um, my my social media is just under Denise um, Klein, K-L-E-I-N. And if anyone has questions, needs support, please reach out. Okay. And you're so kind because I know you're the kind of person that says what you're going to do. And I know that you've helped um, and been in touch with somebody I put you in touch with. So I'm grateful to you for that. Um, In closing, everyone, I think this episode is so important. It's information that I had no idea about. Um, I know that I'm currently doing sober January. Um, and I have not had a buttery Chardonnay. I did cheat one time. Um, but I think that addiction is such a huge problem and it's, you know, every, everybody knows somebody that has been touched by drug, alcohol, addiction, something along those lines. And I think, We need more people like Denise in the world. So it's so important that you came on and you gave this messaging and you talked about it for my listeners. And in closing, I would like to say, be happy by making other people happy. It's how my daddy lived his life and it's what my dad used to say. And that's how I close my podcast. And thank you always to all of you for listening to this episode. beginning of the episode, I told you about this product dose. I'm not kidding. I, I'm, I hate when I'm like listening to podcasts or different things where they're like, go out and get it. And it's like, you know, a lip liner or like some deodorant that doesn't work. And actually you still have BO after you use it. When I tell you that I use dose every single day, I do. It's this delicious little shot. I keep the box because I'm a subscriber over my refrigerator. So it reminds me every day to take one. And I just feel much better about myself and my buttery Chardonnay intake by taking one every day. 
If you go to my website, judgingmegan.com, your first order, you have a discount of 15% by using the code judgingmegan15. This is a one-time first order purchase. If you buy a subscription like I have, you get a total of 30% off of the subscription because your first um, your first order is already 15% off and then you put in my code, it's a total of 30%. Please go on my website, read the disclaimer. This does not cure liver issues. This does not cure um, cancer. This does not cure um, if you're feeling bad about yourself by drinking a shot of something. But I will tell you, I feel much better about myself and more healthy when I take one every single day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.